The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every single month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Alexander Sadiq, Dr. Julian Bashir on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Fleet Command Headquarters in the very frozen northeastern United States. Oof. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant in the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast in episode number 251. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. It's so great to have you here as we continue the month of February here on Trek Geeks. And of course, by we, I do mean my co-host, and I, you know, after about 250 episodes or so, you run out of ways to introduce somebody. So Dan, I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself this week. Go. I am the, um, often frowned upon, not attractive voice, spinal column decalcifying co-host Dan Davidson. And it's great to be here, buddy, because you are the epitome of what a podcast is supposed to be all about. So you know, you. that also is the truest thing you've ever said on this podcast. It's amazing. <laughs> um, it's like I lobbed a softball over to you. And, and I you just, just hit that one right into orbit. You clearly jacked it for 450, you know. You I hit the red seat at Fenway Park, I think. You went past it. Okay, then. Wow. All right. That's, it's amazing. That's uh, <laughs> For those of you who don't do the sports ball, that's a Boston Red Sox reference. Yes. But, uh, but here we are, episode 251. We're just past the halfway point in Black History Month as we continue our celebration. Mm-hmm. And um, what a great, great response we've had to the first two episodes for the month of February. It really is amazing. It is. It is we are so honored to be doing this. Um, and, and the response that we've gotten just is, is humbling. It really is, and and we're so thankful to have some great podcasters join us uh, for these four weeks to talk about things that are important to them, and this week is absolutely no different, buddy. It's amazing. So week one, we had the Sci-Fi Sisters, who just were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Week two, we had David Majors and, oh. and his sister Maimuna, and, and they were they were so wonderful. Yeah. This week, we welcome Lance Laster and Cavante Chillis from Always Hold On to Arrow from our friends over at the United Federation Podcast. Now, that's the podcast network 
that was started by uh, you know a bunch of people, including our friends Ken Tripp and Brandon Shamutala. Yes, um, they have a lot of great content over there, and and this Arrow show is is fantastic. If you've ever watched Arrow on the CW um, or any of the other Arrowverse shows, I think you'll really appreciate what Lance and, and Kev do over there. Well, I gotta say, uh, Sue and I are fans of Arrow. We have not gotten all the way through it, but we did. We went through a block of time where we watched a bunch of it, and we love the show. And now knowing that there's a podcast about it, which I didn't know about, makes me very excited. So, in addition to just you know having them as guests here on the on the Trek Geeks podcast, I'm gonna have to go check out Always Hold On Arrow to to, to see what it's all about because I'm sure it's it's pretty awesome. But they've got a pretty awesome topic this week as guests here on the network. Today, today they are going to look at the hallmark episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Far Beyond the Stars. And I am so grateful to have their perspective on this episode. Um, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh, one of them has seen this episode and the other one has never watched Star Trek before. Ever. So Far Beyond the Stars is really his first episode. And so I'm going to let them get into the details, you know, Lance and, and Kev, as they present the uh, the episode for today. But um, for now, Dan, why don't you present people with how they can get in touch with us? Well, I'd be happy to do that. You know, St. Patrick's Day is coming up soon, so I'm just practicing. Well, um, in, a, in a month. <laughs> in a, you got time. That means you got a month of this anyway. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, we definitely <laughs> want people to get in touch with us. There's a whole bunch of ways that you can do that. You can just go to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and there you can email us. You can send us a voicemail. You can chat with us. You can send us tweets. Um, you can also go to Camp Kittimer, which is the official Facebook group of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network over on the Book of Faces. It's the most positive Trek group on Facebook. Facebook, we are proud to say we don't allow any trolling. We don't allow any gatekeeping. We only want people there celebrating what they love about Trek. So just search for Camp Kinmer, answer a couple of quick questions. We'll let you right in. And as always, always want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark for the amazing job they do running that camp. But Bill, you please got to remember that any comments or messages you leave us at any of these places may be used in a future episode. I think the thing that scares me <laughs> is that your faux Irish accent really isn't any worse than some of the people in season three of Sons of Anarchy. There you go. <laughs> and some of those are pretty bad. They're pretty bad, but it's, uh, it's, I'll, I'll be happy to do it anytime you want. <laughs> uh, which means I'll never want you to do it again. <laughs> Sorry. Dan, you know, Valentine's Day was just a couple of days ago, but love is still in the air. And I, I was wondering, are you seeking Jamaharun? Uh, not from you. Dude, why, ew, why not? That's just wrong. <laughs> anyway, oh my God. <laughs> but if anyone out there is looking for Jamaharan, uh, you know that you need to have a beautiful Horgon to display, and Fansets has you covered. The very latest pin from Fansets, the Horgon statue from the TNG episode Captain's Holiday, is available right now so you can share the love, so to speak. Uh, the Horgon has been one of the most requested pins for Fansets, and you can get it right now at fansets.com. 
I think I am actually one of the people who have requested this pin in the past. So I am very excited by this. This is just one of the unique and great pins that Fansets has in store for 2021. And you want to get yours right now because this one is guaranteed to sell out. So head on over to their site, put a Horgon and a whole bunch of other stuff in your cart. And at checkout, be sure to use this week's special Trek Geeks discount code word, Benny. That's B-E-N-N-Y in all capital letters for an amazing 10% off your entire order. Now, this offer is going to be good until February 24th, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Plus, plus, don't forget, when you spend more than 30 bucks, you're automatically going to get free shipping in the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character. And as always, we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So, Bill, Science Division is teaming up with Star Trek Online for a fantastic deal. And this is one that people really don't want to miss. You know, that's 100% true. We don't want you to forget about this. So, you know, for a limited time, you can unlock free in-game items for Star Trek Online for your PC when you order the Galaxy's First Interactive Tribble from Science Division. Using the special offer code, you can unlock the following items. And this is just a huge amount of stuff, buddy. You First, you can get a Rainbow Tribble. What was that? <laughs> and then a Federation Elite Starter Pack for Federation-aligned captains only. And this grants you access to the following. A T6 Reliant Class Advanced Light Cruiser, 12 Inventory Slots, 12 Bank Slots, 2 Bridge Officer Slots, a Borg Bridge Officer, which I think is pretty awesome, 14 Mark II Very Rare Space Gear, 7 Mark II Very Rare Ground Gear, and a Starfleet Academy Uniform. That's a lot of stuff. That really is. <laughs> My gosh. Plus, you're also going to get $5 off the adoption of your Science Division Tribble. All you have to do is go to sciencediv.com and use the special discount code REBORN. That's R-E-B-O-R-N in all capital letters. And you're going to have to move fast, though, because this offer is available for a limited time, and it's good only while supplies last. These codes for Star Trek Online are also valid for the PC version of the game only, so keep that in mind. You can get all the details at sciencediv.com, so head over there and start your Tribble adoption today. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. Welcome to Always Hold On to Arrow, the podcast that talks about all the things that make Arrow, Arrow. Except for this episode. This is a special episode, because today we are going to talk about Star Trek. What? Yes. <laughs> We're talking about Star Trek today, y'all. Um, you got me. You finally got me. I finally did it. I finally did it, y'all. Uh, this must be what everyone feels like when we randomly do Hallmark episodes. Probably. Probably. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I'm Lance. Yes, and I'm Kev, y'all. Big shout out and thanks to the Trek Geeks, Bill and Dan, mm. for extending an invitation to be a part of what they're doing for Black History Month and promoting the voices of black podcasters. And they invited us to talk about any topic that we kind of had in mind for for this month and in the world of Trek. And I, for the two of us, picked the episode from season six of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Far... Beyond the Stars. 
I picked that episode for us to discuss. And for my money, and in my opinion, it is the best episode of Star Trek, like of all out of all of the series, and probably my favorite episode of science fiction, period. Uh, Kev, you are yeah. a, a brand new person to this universe. Oh yeah. <laughs> so with, with this, this, which is another reason why I kind of wanted to pick pick this because it's like as a new viewer, you're gonna have a very yeah. interesting perspective on this. And and, and just just to make note here, he's not speaking of like a new viewer to D Space Nine. This was the first episode of Star Trek I've ever seen. <laughs> I have for some reason not seen any episodes of Star Trek. I have only seen the. 2009 movie starring uh, Chris Thor. <laughs> Thor's in it. Oh, he's his dad. He's, he's his dad. He's Chris Pine's um, dad. I, have, I did not see the sequels to those. Okay. Um, for not, not for any reason. I just didn't get around to seeing them. Mm-hmm. So this was my very first episode of Star Trek. And although I watched an episode in season six, episode 13, I believe. Yeah. Um. Wow. <laughs> That's like... I watched this episode earlier today, and I've been thinking about it all day. Yeah, man, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty insane. I am a uh, I am interested to talk about this. Hopefully, I can bring in some new details from the experience of someone who's never seen these these shows and even knows who these characters are or about <laughs> or anything. So, hopefully, that 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 comes across as a at least informative because this episode uh, is for anyone. Yeah, so that's that's you know it's another reason one of the reasons why I I picked this episode because it's it's an episode for anyone it's a timeless episode it's a very poignant and prescient episode mm-hmm. I think it always will be and it's good to have interesting perspectives on it somebody uh, like a perspective of somebody who is a fan of Star Trek and loves DS9 and loves this episode in particular and somebody who's just now getting uh getting into the, getting into this into this universe so yeah. uh so let, let's get it let's talk about far beyond the stars all right all right so what like tell me your initial thoughts like right off the bat this episode okay so i teared up during this episode i was thoroughly entertained but i was also really um it, it was it sometimes it was a hard watch not for any like technical reasons like it was bad mm-hmm. it was hard because of the familiar feelings that come with the, the 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 themes and stuff handled in this episode yes um the uh i i don't know if you want to jump right into that i mean i'm sure that's going to come out throughout that's gonna come throughout, out yeah throughout the discussion but um, this episode made me tear up. It was well done. I was entertained and I didn't feel lost. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had to like, okay, it took me a little bit to recognize that all the characters were from the show that were mm-hmm. also in the 1953 moment. But that's yeah. just because I'd never seen them and half of them didn't have makeup. Yeah. So, but not knowing anything about the show, I understood what uh, Captain Sisko was about, mm-hmm. what his issue was, what his fears were, and what was driving him throughout this episode. And yeah. by the end of it, I feel like I kind of know some of these characters, yeah. even though I've only seen one episode of them. Yeah. I, you know, so as well, I, 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 you know, I feel like if we dropped someone in season six, episode 13 of Arrow, they would probably be lost. Yes, I agree. You know, you know what I'm saying? I so they'd be like Richard Dragon. 
who is why this is, guy? Why is he here and why does he talk like that? Anyway. Why, do the, why do the longbow hunters not have long bows? <laughs> we'll get there, y'all. I promise. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I thoroughly um I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. You you it is it's funny because when you when you approached me with this, I was super hesitant because I was like, yo, Lance, I don't know if you know this. I've never actually seen Star Trek. And you're like, no, trust me, like you should watch this episode. It's my favorite. You said you thought it was the best episode of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And so I think you may have screwed me for the rest of my Star Trek viewing <laughs> time because I don't think there could be an episode better than this. So <laughs> there, are, there, I, there are tons of good episodes and good episodes, <laughs> but this one clearly does stand stand above the rest, in my opinion. And yeah. I, I kind of did start you like at the top of the mountain. Oh, um, yeah. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in this case. If this no. gets you into it, then I did my job. Yeah, I, I, I definitely. Now that I know that all the start, like most of Star Trek, is on Netflix, I had no idea. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, thanks, mom, for the password. I'll, uh, I'll probably <laughs> just you know kick back and watch some more Star Trek, especially yeah, is Deep Space Nine, for sure. Um, well, you know, you mentioned how you said that you got to, you felt like you knew Ben Cisco right off the bat. So let's talk about him for a second. Uh, ben Cisco is an important character to me and and Avery Brooks Brooks is an important character to me as well. On my desk in in my office when I was teaching public school, there was like a bunch of other things, but there was there was one picture in a frame on my desk when I was when I was working and it was an autographed picture of of him. Wow. The, like like that that was what was on my desk. Like not like, you know, you know what you would think would be on my desk. No, it was an autographed picture of Benjamin Cisco. Okay. Did anybody <laughs> Did anybody notice that? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, everybody did. And of course, and, and you can you can you could probably guess what their question was about like Is that your dad? Yep, every single time. <laughs> every single time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew it. I knew yeah. it. I yeah. knew it. But in any case, you know, I guess to give you a, a sense of of what this character means to me, Ben Cisco to me is what John Diggle is to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's my dad. <laughs> he is he is like, you know, he I thought and and have always thought like he is such a an incredible role model and I admired you know his leadership. I admired the the way that he handled his business. I admire Avery Brooks, and you know the 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 time that I got to meet him at you know Houston Comic Palooza was probably the most excited I've ever been going to any con, and I've gone to many, and this is probably the most excited I I was in attendance for some for a con and meeting somebody. I was more yeah. excited to meet him than I was Sarah Lance. So y'all oh, wow, know, y'all know what that means. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, dude, that, that, that's that, that's pretty awesome because I mean, this seems like and and I'm assuming you watched this on television as it was coming on, or did you watch it later? Most of it, yeah. And okay. then I ended up rewatching the show in college, mm-hmm. and that's when I was just like, oh yeah, this is this is it. Because you know, I was because like I watched TNG and and Deep Space Nine like when they were on, but it wasn't like I didn't really. I didn't remember everything as well as I do now, so yeah. to speak. And 
And they weren't necessarily appointment television for me back then either. It was just like, if it's on, I'm watching it. And so I watched a mm-hmm. handful. And that's how most of like my D, my TNG uh, viewing was. Because like, I've seen all those episodes, but not in order. <laughs> which yeah. which was so weird, which is why I, you know, I'm appreciating like, you know, my current rewatch of the show now. I'm like, oh yeah, this show is, is, is as good as people say. Because the TNG is really good. So... But uh, but yeah, I rewatched in college and had and gained a greater appreciation for for DS Nine. Yeah, man, I uh, watched so so I, I was I sat down to watch this episode and I, I really want to focus and pay attention because once again I'm talking about a show that I've never seen before, mm-hmm. which is out of my element. And I began watching this show and one of the things that I noticed that I did not know before I watched the show that I would be watching a, a, a black captain. Yeah. I was unaware that that had ever happened. I know now they have a black captain in Discovery, correct? Yes, yeah. Michael is now the captain of the Discovery. So I was, uh, I was, I was pretty shocked. I had no idea yeah. that he was the lead of the show. And and as I was shocked in watching how the episode played out, it made so much sense why that episode is so highly regarded because it almost seemed like it was a little meta. Yeah, of what could have potentially been going on on the outside of watching this black captain, you know, anchor a Star Trek show. Yeah. Well, that was, um, that was the, you know, the discourse around it when they, when they first pitched, you know, the series. And then when they figured out like, like what was going to be, who was going to be the lead. And I'm sure the discourse around it was like a black cat, like a black captain, like what? And here's, and here's the kicker. He was not a captain when the show started. He was not like he was, he was a commander for several seasons before getting his promotion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Didn't even start the black man as a captain. <laughs> yeah, I so, saw like, you know, and 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 although I don't although I haven't watched Star Trek from like, you know, of of any things, I do know that um and I and I've heard people discuss like the cultural importance of like the first Star Trek. I don't know if it was just called Star Trek. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um I don't know if it had a tagline. But um that show depicting a diverse, you know, for the time crew in mm-hmm. science fiction, that was a pretty big deal. To begin with. Correct. And so after I watched this episode, I was like, I got to find out everything that this guy talked about. And so mm-hmm. I looked at him speaking about this episode. Yeah. And he was talking about like, you know, the fact that Star Trek showed people that like in the future, black people would still be there. Mm-hmm. Like they will be a part of things in yes. the future. And that is such a strange concept that a lot of people probably, un- unless you are a black person or minority, you don't understand how significant and how great that actually feels Yes, to have that sentiment displayed. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that I saw this show as a 32, nearly 33-year-old man Then I probably would have as when this show episode came out, I was maybe 10, 11 mm-hmm. when this episode came out. I would not nearly have appreciated the message of this story as much as I did today. I would yeah. not have been brought to tears at 11 or 12. I wouldn't have understood. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have seen the themes of 1950 and the racism there and said, well, yeah, that's history. Yeah. But now I see it and say, oh, my God, I understand his mm. quiet rage that a lot of people don't understand that a lot of minorities have to deal with. Correct. It's so well done in this episode. And, and Ed, by the end, when he finally loses it, I feel like I know every person of color that I know has mm-hmm. gotten to that breaking point <laughs> Yes, of constantly – being pushed, 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 and pushed, and then finally letting go. Yeah. Um. But also, how terrifying it is to let up to let that go. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
so this I I am so like like this episode sold me on why even if this type of theme isn't hit at all in the rest of the show, which mm-hmm. I, I I don't assume it wouldn't be, yeah. Um, because this is season six, episode thirteen. I'm assuming this isn't just out of nowhere, mm-hmm. but I now am so interested in seeing this character's journey because of who he is in the position that he's in. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it was just I don't know, man. I like I. I, I we I all we all too often throw these like you know amazing powerful words to things you know what I'm saying yes but I think watching this episode I genuinely when the episode ended I just kind of sat there for a moment and I said what an amazing episode of TV yes and you know I say that about Arrow but Arrow's fun and action packed inter- but like this show I don't know man I, I I don't know how to describe it. I understand why this is widely regarded as one of the best episodes period of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it it far exceeded my expectations, you yeah. know. And um, it's it's not because it touched on the 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 message of racism and prejudiceness and stuff like that. It's how it was done and what they could have done that would have weakened that narrative. But they didn't, you know. Like the first thing I noticed was that um, it takes place on Earth. In 19, like, you know, playing it safe, they could have made this anywhere. They could have made some weird culture in some weird planet. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's the thing they do. Once again, I have no idea. Star Trek fans, (laughs) don't bite my head off. I'm new. And if you want to keep me, I'm telling you, I'm worth it. Don't bite my head off. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like, like you get right into it. And, you know, the way they, the way to ease into it, he's seeing people. And I was like, you know, I was like, what the heck's going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, like that guy clearly looked like he's for like when it showed the guy walking by and like the press hat and like the suit, yeah. I was like, that definitely doesn't belong on this this this, this ship. Mm-hmm. And then the baseball player walks up, I'm like, yeah, something's definitely off. Yeah. And then suddenly he opens the door and boom, he's he's back in the fifties. Yeah. And yeah, like yeah. the there's you know the the sci fi ness of it all, right? Like that, yeah. that transports him to this to this world works really well for this episode, but also like it like for people who are watching DS Nine, this was nothing new because there was this entity that they dealt with the entire show, the prophets, right? That showed okay. visions to people and particularly to Cisco um, th- throughout the show, then and you know tried to. Im- imbued various messages to him about like what was going on with him that he was struggling with or, you know, what other people were struggling with. Right. Okay. So their presence on the show was, was pretty consistent to the point where like, if something weird was happening and like, it turns out that somebody was having a, you know, was in the middle of a, uh, of a vision from the prophets, then you, you didn't you know question it. He was like, okay, cool. We're dealing with the prophets this episode. They're yeah. Teach us something. Yeah. I kind of figured something was going on with that because, you know, they, they kept, you know, uh, his father who in the past was that pastor or preacher was mm-hmm. talking about the prophets and stuff like that. I assumed that yeah. was something I didn't know about. They mentioned, yeah. they mentioned earlier in the episode that his brain scans look similar to a previous episode. I'm assuming that I had no context yeah. to, but episodes. Um, <laughs> yeah, episodes. So, so I, I I knew that this is something they had seen before, but it was slightly different. They 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 weren't understanding why it was happening the way it was happening yeah. to him in this particular case. But um, the premise of him being a sci-fi writer, mm-hmm. and I, I remember I was you know at this point I still didn't know what was going on. I was like, okay, he's in the past. I don't know what's yeah. going on here, and he's working, and you know. Even the the conversation about the photograph and how they told the the, the female who was writing 
she was using like her initials instead of her full name because they didn't want yes. them to know it was like female writing. Mm-hmm. They said, hey, you sleep in that morning. Don't be here for the staff photo. And then, you know, uh, Cisco says, well, I guess you mean me too. And even that, I was like, okay, I understand that. Um, you know, it, it is a time period. Surely they wouldn't go any further than that. Yeah. You know, I was like, okay. They're acknowledging that's, that there was some prejudice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, I think the, that's the most shocking thing about this episode that still gets me is like, like they really did go in. Yeah. They yeah. really did. Yeah, and 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 I when they got to the point where he was leaving, and the two officers were questioning him, mm-hmm. I paused. Those two are the those two are the villains. They're villains. Okay, the okay, okay, yeah, they're the yeah. villains. They're the, they're the people they're at war with. They're uh, part of the oh, okay, like, okay. So you have Wayun, who was the short one, and the taller one uh, was uh, Goldacott, who was the leader of the Car- leader of the Cardassians. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I thought you said Cardassians, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, no, so when I got to that scene, I paused it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Lance. Lance, what have you, what have you done? <laughs> you, 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 are, you are showing me something that is going to awaken this spirit inside of me. That, uh-huh. That the blood of the ancestors rest in my chest. I was like getting it's, bubbled up and watching look, this. The prophets are showing you something, man. <laughs> you know, and, and at that scene... Um, I, so 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 here so here's here's here here's something that I think you can relate to very well. That yeah. first off, let let's let's not let this be lost upon us because maybe we got people listening to us that are Star Trek fans. Maybe we have some of our Arrow fans listening to us, and yeah. and and so some people know us, some people may not know us hearing this. Okay, that's true. Um, you and I have never formally met. That's probably yeah. going to be remedied fairly soon, but we have yes. never formally met. We've grown up in two different parts of this country. You've grown up in mm-hmm. Texas primarily. Yep. And you've lived in Philly. Yep. I have grown up in Nashville, Tennessee, and I lived a little bit in North Carolina when I served in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, Lance and I have the same experiences. Yes. Without ever having to meet. And I've never asked Lance if he had that experiences. I just know Lance has had those experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very real thing. And, and, and what I don't want to do is push people off to saying no one else experiences trauma or or stress or any kind of things like that. I'm, I'm not trying to yeah. say that, you know, it's, but I do want people to understand that there is a difference in what Lance and I experienced that you may not, not downplaying yeah. your experiences, but just saying ours are slightly different. Mm-hmm. For example, watching this episode and watching this part, um, and I can share a slightly personal story with, with this too, just, just to bring context to what I'm saying. Uh, Cisco is leaving his job and there are two officers who assume that one, he's not qualified to work there or even wear the suit that he's wearing mm-hmm. the property that clearly was his. They're even questioned that it is. Yes. And then they mishandle and mistreat him. They speak down to him. They mishandle and mistreat his property and then send him off with a warning as if he should be lucky. Yeah. Because as he, if he did he, anything wrong. Yeah. But the truth is he was lucky because he could have gone so much worse. That's correct. So I bought a house in a nice neighborhood in a suburb called Hendersonville out of Nashville in 2018. I did it with my VA loan. Hoorah. I'm a Marine. And I used to get up every morning with a buddy of mine and we used to go running because we're getting out of shape and I need to keep my three miles under 22 minutes. (laughs) So I used to go out at about five in the morning, 445-ish in the morning. And I was sitting in my driveway and stretch as he pulled up to come run in my neighborhood. We would switch off. Mm -hmm. One week we ran my neighborhood. The next week we ran his. I have a perfect one mile loop in my neighborhood. It's perfect for running. If you wanted to get a mile in every day. Hmm. 
And I was sitting there one morning and there are often I have a cul-de-sac that I live in and there are often that police officers will sit in my neighborhood and just kind of wait there just to take a break. So it's not uncommon to see police officers sitting in my cul-de-sac. I got up there one morning and I was stretching and I'm in full running gear. I have bright lime yellow shorts on to run in because it's dark and it's morning. I have running shoes, socks, and I have a sweatshirt on. And I'm sitting in my driveway stretching. Um, A police officer comes up to me and says, hey, um, may I ask what you're doing out right now? And I said, oh, good morning, officer. I'm stretching. I'm getting ready to go running. I have a friend that's coming to meet me. And he says, Mm -hmm. do you have any ID on you? And I said, well, no, sir. It's in my house. I'm, I'm about to go running. And he said, which house is yours? And I said, the house that's right behind me, I'm sitting in the driveway. And he said, and you don't have your ID on you. I said, no, sir, I do not have my ID on me. I said, I can go get it if you like. And I started to get up and he said, just sit right there. And there I sat, terrified. Mm-hmm. I was scared. Now, I am a six foot three, 235, 40 pound combat Marine. <laughs> and I sat in my driveway, Indian style scared while an officer asked me what I was doing in my driveway. <laughs> yep. And I had already explained this to him. This officer is not a bad person. I'm not calling this officer a racist. I'm not calling mm-hmm. him evil. He's not the devil. He's a police officer who's working his tail off and he has a hard job to do. Mm-hmm. But as I sat there, I was waiting to hear there was some reason that he was suspicious of me. Maybe there was a call of suspicious activity yeah. or something. I'm waiting on that. I never got that until my friend showed up. And verified that I was going to go running with him. The officer then let me go. My friend happened to be white. Yep. That little incident that happened at 445 to 5 o'clock in the morning. I got up. I had to run a mile. And then I came home, took a shower, and I went to work. And I worked eight hours. And I came home. And I sat with my wife. And I had dinner. And I was still bothered and upset by that. That officer may have never thought of me ever again in his life. But I have never forgotten that. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is that when I spoke on that quiet rage, I did not have the ability to respond with the frustration that I wanted to with him because I don't yes. know what could have happened, which is why Cisco mm-hmm. withholds himself from being like, what is wrong with you guys? This is my paper. Yeah, that is a, that there is more scary than anything else they could have done in this episode for me. Mm-hmm. That terrified me. Yeah, man. And that's why I paused it. And I was like, oh, no, Lance. <laughs> what have you done? Yeah. You got me triggered. No. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So so I, I shared a personal story, not not to say, oh, woe is me or cops are evil because they're not. I, yeah. I, I, I worked for years in as a warrant officer in a juvenile facility here in Nashville. I have a lot of friends and police officers. I love them. They love me. I have I support them. None of those things. No, 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 mm-hmm. That's not the problem. I'm just trying to bring context to what that scene means to someone who may have watched that that may not have been a minority or a black person who's ever had a, an awkward experience with a police officer. Yeah. That was a terrifying scene. And we're only yeah. in like the 10 minute mark of the episode. Yeah. We haven't <laughs> even really got started. Yeah. So once I saw that, I realized that one, they're going to handle this material straightforward. They're not mm-hmm. going to spoon feed you. And as we watched, you and I recently reviewed, remember the Titans, for Mickey's Marvels, mm-hmm. and we've spoken that about the racism in that episode, in that movie, and we knew that it was embellished for Disney dramatization. Mm-hmm. And we could look at some characters and say, "Yeah, that's clearly probably a dramatic representation of what the person probably said or felt." Yeah. What's scary is this did not feel that way. Mm-hmm. 
And these movies are set not too far in difference. I think it was 1970 in 71. So, uh, you yeah. know, but yeah, that seeing that was just it was just terrifying. But it also had mm-hmm. me engaged and hooked because I was I was hooked on the story. What's going to happen? What are the I guess prophets trying to show Cisco right now by putting him in mm-hmm. this ridiculous time frame in yes. American history? Because I'm sure I don't know what year Deep Space Nine takes place in, but I'm sure mm-hmm. 1953 was a long, long, long time ago for them. A very long. You know time. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So about some you know 400 years in the in the past. Ooh man. Um. But yeah, and it, 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 it sort of, you know, bounces back between, you know, I guess I could say D Space Nine being, you know, D Space Nine time and that, but yeah. it, it focuses a lot of its time in 1953. Mm-hmm. And my God is, um, I, I just, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the sci-fi writing stuff. Yeah. I loved uh, the artist handing him a picture that looked like a pretty close representation of the D Space Nine. At least I think so. That is the space station? Yes. Okay, I saw it in the intro. Because uh-huh. they don't really show it in the show. I guess I was supposed to know. I almost yeah, skipped the intro know, yeah. on Netflix, but I didn't. <laughs> oh, you, I you did almost it. skipped it? Well, because oh, I'm good. so used to skipping everything. I was like, no, I should I should watch the entire intro. Okay, Look, man, good. What did you we, think of the music? It was, it, was, it was better than that one show I told you about. <laughs> <laughs> so, l- l- little caveat before we record it. I uh let, let me let me correct. I have this is my first full episode I've ever seen of Star Trek, but I have seen the beginning about 10 minutes of a pilot of another one. I forgot the name of it. What's it called? Enterprise. Enterprise. Was not a fan of that intro song. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wasn't at the beginning either, but I've grown to love it. It probably grows like so look, so look, just when I first watched Always Home a Small uh, Always Home Smallville. Ooh, man. The show is so Ooh, shout ingrained. Out to them, shout, shout out, out to you. Zach. You have made the show name, your podcast name in my brain. When I first watched Smallville uh, on my little DVD player in Afghanistan, every one of my squad was like, ugh, at the beginning intro song. Uh-huh. But by the end of the first season, we were all singing it. That's right. <laughs> and now we love it. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe, uh, maybe that would have done, maybe that would happened to me too. But uh, oh, yeah. no, I definitely enjoyed it more. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, when, when he sees the image, he's like, oh, I have an idea to write this. And he starts, he starts writing what seemed like his story from what they were doing in the show. Mm-hmm. And so I was sitting there thinking, like, "Oh my God, is this going to be like at the end of the show?" They realize that like this character Benny was actually just writing this, and like, was that a glimpse of what the that, show was going to end like? You know that that was a possibility, and you know they did not go that route. And that's you know, you know that we I guess we could get into that now. I think that that is probably the most poignant part of this uh, of this episode. And I mean, Doctor Bashir even says it. He's like, "I think it makes it more poignant." Yeah, because you know. As you know, Major Kira says, "Who who would be having this dream? Right? Yeah, it would be somebody who needs to have this dream. Yeah, um, and I and you know, oftentimes in in the in the Trek community, the the phrase that is said a lot is Gene Roddenberry's vision. Which without it, we would not have Star Trek. Okay, I get that." Um, and, you know, his dream of, you know, like of, of a future where, you know, everybody's working together. We're all, you know, and like all that stuff. Right. Okay. You know, that is great. But at the same time, I think the reason why they did not go through with, oh, yeah, it was the dream of Benny Russell that this was happening. I, I think that they were afraid of making of the of a possibility of having all of this being the dream of a black man that like it was his idea yeah right? and they have and having to give him credit for it and you know that's i 
I think that that's kind of a misstep. It doesn't it doesn't throw any shade on Gene, but like but but for real though, like who but a minority person or somebody who is is downtrodden would have the dream of what the future in Star Trek looks like? Man, like I so when I when they started hinting at that, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing! If they show that like you know just Deep Space Nine was mm-hmm. like the dream and the writings of a man from 1953 that we already that we met in the show, it turns yeah. out actually like that would have. Now, for me, it's like you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not. I guess I'm not the, the hardcore fan, obviously, but like for me, that would have been incredibly powerful. And it, I agree. And it, 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 it would. It, I don't think it would have ruined. You know, me, and my limited understanding. I don't think it would have ruined any of the other Star Treks or anything like that. I think this could have mm-hmm. been in the story of like you know, it's just it, it was, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah, because we dream. <laughs> Yes. And we have goals and we have desires and we have interest. And as he says, we have dignity. We are human. We can think and create things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And me as someone who is desperately trying to write a fantasy novel that I'm never going to finish. It's actually my Twitter handle <laughs> now. It says I will never finish my novel. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I often face the challenge of saying like, I, you know, I have all these intense and insane ideas in my head and I just want to get them written out because I want someone to read them mm-hmm. so they can know <laughs> yeah. that I dream like this. That this is what I think. This is what I, this is my interest um, that you may not suspect seeing me, mm-hmm. you know? So um, it was. It, or think that you're capable or think of, that I'm which capable is what everybody kind of, which was what everybody kind of did with Cisco. It's just like, yeah, Benny, you can't like, why are you writing about this? Like, you know, um, you know, Jake, or in this case, Jimmy, you know, is, is like, he's like, why are you writing about, you know, you know, black men on, on the moon? He's like, he's like, that'll be the day. Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. But, you know, it, you know, it's like, you know, you can see, you know, how people thought, like, in the prevailing attitudes and what some of the characters were, you know, were saying and thinking about. Yeah. About this. And, and, and the sad thing is, it's not just what some people thought, what some people still to this day think. Yeah. And I think that's why this episode hit me so hard is because we've we've moved forward in some ways but we've stayed mm-hmm. stagnant in others yes and seeing this man write something amazing where everyone says this is great the mm-hmm. caveat is is either you wrote it or the hero in this case which if people will say well that you know those things will happen now let's just mention michael b jordan being superman and let's see what happens <laughs> you know so or, like you know let's let's have a live action miles morales yeah. <laughs> like let's let's have that we can't even have that like you know like there's so many things that this kind of touches on like we can't like we can't talk about you know michael b jordan possibly being a superman because there is a black superman there's two of them mm-hmm. right you know we can't have miles morales in live action they did not make toys for static back in the day when static shock was on on television because they thought it wouldn't sell like i mean are you like stuff like that yeah i mean it's like these are prevailing attitudes and in you know this is why as you said like as there's as there have been you know strides moving forward it seems like this it's like there's always somewhat of a step back in addition to the moving forward yeah which is why it's take which is why it takes so long yeah and and this is this is just these these things are saying, oh, you know, you know, for example, a static shock not getting a, a, a toy. Like for people, these may seem micro, like, oh, these are little tiny details. But they they're 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 bigger deals to the target demographic. Like I, I don't know 
what it would have felt like in, I guess, what, 93 when this show started? To be a Star Trek fan and yeah. see this. Like, to be, yeah. to be to be a minority Star Trek fan and see this. You know well, what I'm saying? Mean, no, seriously. Like, oh, like and, you know, one of the reasons what that really drew, drew me to, to, to DS9, not only the fact is that there was a black captain, but, like, his son was part of the, was part of the crew. Like, mm-hmm. his, his son was part of the show, right? And then he ends up having, you know... He gets you know Penny as his as his love interest, and you have you later get Worf on the show. You have a brown doctor. You have a brown first officer, right? Like you have you know it's like this. It's incredibly diverse, and not only like the races, but also like the the alien races, but also like the people that they cast for the show yeah. was. And so that already was inviting, um, and just being able to see you know. Uh, black love, black parenting, yeah. uh, you know, black excellence on TV each week was, you know, it's, it's, it's liberating. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I recently had to, to, to talk about this to, to, to someone because someone was asking me about the term, um, like black excellence and like what that may mean or what mm-hmm. these things mean. And I was like, you know, right now, a lot of your streaming services have like a section that says like strong black voices or something like that. Right. Yes. All the movies are like slave movies. Yes, they are. <laughs> they're all movies about black people being treated horribly. <laughs> yes. Or they're about times of black people trying to overcome racism or being oppressed. Mm-hmm. Or very rarely do you see a movie about, like we said, like a dad and his mm-hmm. son, like parenting, like as a person who grew up without his father in the picture, because John Diggle is my dad now. Um, <laughs> you know, to see that on television, my as a young man, that would have told me that, oh, Dads exist. Dads take care of their children because I didn't know that growing up. Because every example I had, almost every friend I grew up with that was black did not have a dad around. So mm-hmm. just to see these things means so much, and they, they they do so much for our for 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 the psyche. Like, yeah, I, I don't I don't know how to 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 convey it other than saying the feeling of seeing representation. A face that looks like yours. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I always pretended to be someone that didn't I didn't look that didn't look like me. Because all I ever mm-hmm. had shown to me were people the personification of excellence and heroism and everything, they never looked like me or even my dad or even my mom. You know, I, I had to pretend to be one of those characters. Um when I played mm-hmm. with my friends they got to be those characters and they would say, you can't be that character because you're, you're this or you're that. Yeah, uh-huh. And that's all kid fun and games, but that bothers you as a small kid more so than you realize. So yes. to watch something like Star Trek, which sci-fi is generally, you know, the stereotype of sci-fi in science fiction. I think of like a 1950s little white freckled nerd with big thick glasses and like a pocket protector. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like uh, science fiction being something that even minorities one are even interested in, but even like yeah. get into is just, I'm just grateful for that anyway. I've always been a huge nerd of things. I don't know how I missed out on Star Trek. I don't know <laughs> how, but you know, these small things are a big deal. And, and, and the thing is like, you know, I, I, I don't know everyone's opinion on discovery. If I base off Twitter, it's either, it's like everything else in the world. You either love it or you hate it. That's correct. But there is somebody right now, Younger than me, or even my age right now, some young, mm-hmm. some young woman or some young kid that's seeing their Cisco, yes, and and and, and it, it, it it is elevating their psyche to say I can be involved in these things, yeah. and that's important, way more important than people give it credit for, you know. Um, that's correct. You know, seeing seeing a uh, seeing Falcon possibly take up the Captain America shield 
and have Captain America being a black man. I know it's in the comics, but to see that on yeah. television, high profile, is going to raise mm-hmm. the psyche of a lot of people. It um, is. And those are nothing but positive things because, like I said, most movies that people like with black people in it are generally about our oppression <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or about our imprisonment or about yeah. our slavery. And it's like, that's great to see what we've come or through. Growing up in the hood, yeah. trying to make it out of or the hood. trying to make, you know, stuff like that. Um, so it's, 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 it was fantastic to see this, you know, to see this character deal with these things in such a high and mighty way. And by the time he breaks down in the end, you absolutely understand he's exhausted every effort to maintain mm-hmm. his dignity without slipping because here's another scary truth. <laughs> um, hmm. uh, and, 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 I, and, and Lance can back me up on this. And if I'm saying too many scary things, Lance, please stop me. I don't want to scare off people listening to me, but um, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to stop. We don't get the opportunity to do that twice. Um, yeah. That final meltdown, uh, mm-hmm. we don't get the opportunity to do that. Once we've done that, once we have become whatever they want us to be. And the yes. thing, and, and when I teared mm-hmm. up in this episode is after mm-hmm. him breaking down, saying things like, I am human. I have dignity. You can't erase what's in my mind. Yeah. The next scene, it looks like they were taken to a crazy house. They had yeah. him strapped to they, a they table. Yeah. Because the things he was saying was interpreted as him being insane. For him to think yes. that he can say those things. And mm-hmm. it made me tear up. Because yeah. this, this is this, yeah, this, this is, is a 1998 version of the sunken place from Get Out. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because like, I mean, like, think about the episode. They they, you know, he's accosted for doing nothing, right? He is he has his probably like the pinnacle of his of his professional career taken away from mm-hmm. him. He is he is beaten by cops. Mm-hmm. In the street for trying to check on his friend who they shot for not doing it for 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 also like you know the wrong reason like he 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 did not have to die like Jimmy didn't have to die right yes uh, crimes are not usually uh, you know the penalty is death <laughs> yes so you know like he's had like everything taken away from him and then like when he finally like gets that like that last bit taken from him like there's like where else can you go at that point like he like he has yeah, no choice and, but and to break he, down he said that he said I nothing like like what else can hurt him at this point yeah. You know, um, yeah, I, 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 uh, when, you know, he was trying, I, th- I think they said Jimmy was trying to break into a car. Yeah. Right. With a crowbar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, like it's, it's, it, it's crazy that I forgot to say this, but like even stealing is not punishable by death. That's correct. <laughs> like, you know, so, so, uh, when I, when I hear that the narrative, well, he shouldn't have been committing a crime. Crime is not punishable by death. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, that's why we have a, a judicial system. Mm hmm. But yeah, it's 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 watching the all too familiar feeling of biting your tongue, holding your energy in, and then that time you finally let loose, and just to be repaid by saying like, it isn't it isn't a everyone stood up and clapped for him. Yeah, like that. Yeah, well said. You're right. And like the 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 boss didn't say, you know what? You're right. I'm going to fight for your story. Mm-hmm. No, they just they just they just submitted him to the hospital. Yes. They're like, yeah, you're you're crazy, and mm-hmm. that is the the dry realism of that 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 is the scariness of that scene that some people may not even catch. Yes, you know. Um, speaking of, of of another movie, you know, more recently that, that touches this subject, uh, Get Out. You've seen Get Out, of correct? Course. 
So should have been best are picture. <laughs> are you aware? Should have been the, best director as well. <laughs> are you aware of the original ending of Get Out? Yeah. So uh, I'm 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 going to share it for y'all. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen Get Out, I'm going I'm going to spoil it. I'm yeah. Sorry. Sorry for the movie that's three years old. Yeah. So at the end of Get Out, um, after he escapes the house and he kills the entire family, mm-hmm. um, his 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 uh, air airport security friend yeah shows rod, up my man rod uh makes a joke to break the tension they get in the car and they drive off yeah um even when i watched the movie i remember saying that's odd that an airport security officer would leave his post take a company car and all those things like that mm-hmm. um it is a weird scene uh that's because it wasn't the original ending yeah if you are unaware the original ending of the movie a car does show up but it's an actual police car mm-hmm. with two police officers in it and they just catch our hero, our main character, choking the life out of this woman yep. covered in blood. And he goes to prison. Yep. Because no one believes what he says. Correct. Because the house caught on fire and burned down all the evidence. Mm-hmm. All they see is a black man and a bunch of white dead people. Yeah. And sure, you would say anyone would assume that thing. Mm-hmm. But that's the scary part about it is that he wasn't in the wrong. Yeah. And because of what it looked like, he goes to prison. And that is a bleak and depressing ending, and it probably would have made audiences feel really crappy. Yeah. But that's the most powerful ending, and that is the most honest ending to the story you could have had. It's true. You know, you know. Um, I wish they would have done that. Not to make everybody feel guilty, mm-hmm. because um, you know, it's not our job. It's it's not our it's not our hope and dreams to make everyone who doesn't understand us feel guilty. We just want to be understood and heard. That's, that's true. all. That's true. So in this story. You, you 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 have you have a writer who feels like he has to work twice as hard to get to break even. Mm-hmm. He writes an excellent story that everyone says is fantastic, the best thing they ever read. Yes. The only problem is your main character is black. It's 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 not that a Negro wrote it as they keep referring to. Correct. Because they can they can mask that. Mm-hmm. Um. No people didn't even know that he was black. That's correct. It's the fact that the character is black and no one in society would accept that there's a Negro captain of a starship. And the just boss, as I don't, yeah, yeah, just as like, you know, they, you know, back in that time and, you know, you know, unfortunately now, like there's people still have trouble accepting the fact that there are black CEOs, black presidents, um, you know, black, yeah. you know, what fill in the blank. We're still having to have first like, you know, the first you know, black person to do blank. We're still having that, right? Yeah, and we're, so, still, we're still having and that. And so yeah. back, like, you know, 1950, 53, like when this is taking place, the, they could not fathom the fact that it's like a black man couldn't create this, nor can a black yeah. man be a, be a captain of a, like, you know, of a, of a, of a starship and, and, or a space station in a story that he wrote. Like that, that's, that's preposterous. And it's like, yeah. man. The author should not see himself in the character at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, 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 it's something, and I'm not, I'm not going to quote it prop- correctly because, because I forgot exactly what he said, but, but his, his editor, his boss says something like, I'm not here to try to change how things should be. I'm just here to deal with how things are. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the scariest sentiments yes. I can hear about anything. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's working against everything. Like, and, like, the joy that he had when they devised a plan to be able to make – and first off – the, the the poignancy of making the story be a dream, mm-hmm. um, it does make it powerful because it's showing the readers of 1953 that hey, black people dream too. Yeah, um, because a lot of people didn't see black people as 
humans. Mm-hmm. They saw them as, you know, whatever. Yes. And to say, hey, we dream just like you two. Mm-hmm. We bleed just like you do. We care. We love. We, 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 we cry. We feel. We everything just like you do. But even that was just like you have to have a caveat to be accepted. Yes. It's not what you did was good enough. It's like what you did was good enough, but we got to make a way to make it acceptable for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in, in my fa- in my family, we call that code switching. You know what code yeah. switching is? <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, you know, I, uh, I can, I, 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 I can, I can be the best at, 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 at what I do, but I still have to mind the way my mannerisms are. Yes. And the way my speech comes across. Or even my demeanor, um, mm-hmm. people find me intimidating because I'm six foot three and I have dreadlocks. And if you've hurt me at all on this podcast, I'm a big frigging goober <laughs> who's in love with his wife and has six babies that I deal with all the time. I'm like mm-hmm. one of the least, I'm like the most pacifist combat vet you ever meet. <laughs> but I'm constantly having to let people know through everything I do, I'm not intimidating. I'm yeah. not scary. Listen to me downplay my combat experiences. Listen to me mm-hmm. downplay my size, you know. And there's always that slight caveat that has to be done to make things palpable for people who may not be ready for you. Yes. And I think I think a lot of people have to do that. Um, but I don't think people have to do it to an extent to where like it determines whether you are not accepted. successful or just ex- yeah not successful accepted mm-hmm. and that, that that's what i'm saying watching this as an adult man who's had some experiences in the military um which boy who man in the military uh in, in 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 my corporate job i have now there there's some things that have been that i've experienced that like i did not handle them as gracefully as cisco did mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know I wish I could have seen this character uh, before, you know, like I said, I appreciate it now as, as, as an adult, but I wish I could have grew up with seeing more examples of things like this. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times we don't know how to respond to these things. And that's sure. why we see a lot of rage in our community because mm-hmm. no one's ever really given us a blueprint of how to deal with these things. Yeah. You know, and if you say, hey, um, you know, if you want to look at people that have to really deal with being told no, where they can't do something for the first times in their lives, we're kind of seeing a lot of people act out in this country now. <laughs> yes, I know. Seeing people do things like try to overthrow a capital, yes. um, you know, trying to trying to occupy government buildings because for the first time, they heard in the their word lives. No. They've heard the word no, or you can't, or this isn't allowed, or you can't go here, mm-hmm. or you know, mask only, which you know. My grandmother would tell you about some signs she had to deal with growing up here in the South. Correct. So, you know, you know, so, so it just, it just, it puts a perspective on, on, uh, on where that time frame was like in 1950s, mm-hmm. but also it's just as suitable for 2021. Absolutely. And I love the meta-ness of it because like I said, not even knowing the context of the show, I already knew that when he's referring to the fact that a black man can't be a captain, he's talking about his own character in his mm-hmm. own show that he's been leading now for six seasons. Yeah. This wasn't done in episode two yeah. to let people know, hey, it's okay for me to be captain. Mm-hmm. This is episode 13 of season six. Yes. Where he would probably still hearing those kinds of things. Yeah. And he's like, well, we need to make a, we need to make a message about this now. Yeah. Um, much better message than six seasons in suddenly talking about gun violence, right? Ooh, boy. <laughs> 
We're going to get there, y'all. But yeah, no, it's it's this this was this was this was an episode done right. As as someone who's watched a lot of uh, a lot of CW shows, which uh, I have a joke for CW after a certain season of Arrow, which becomes Channel Woke. Mm-hmm. Um, CW stands for Channel Woke. Yep. Um, to see it done incorrectly or not as well as they intended, I'm mm-hmm. not gonna say they're doing it wrong because they have good intentions. They're just yes. they're just not. Uh, they could have used a uh, a uh, a Cisco to direct their episodes. Yes. <laughs> or to have some input in it. Um, because this is a well done episode that is strict and serious, but it's it's presented in that palpable way where it can be handled and discussed and respected instead of just being tossed off as that's the episode where they talked about racism. So I don't like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I agree. Uh, I agree. To see everyone say this was one of their favorite episodes really made me feel good. Yeah. After also saying, I think this is my favorite episode. You know, uh, it sucks. You know, like, 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 I like Avengers: Age of Ultron. Apparently, I'm not supposed to. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, so it, it's nice when you like something and everyone else likes it too. Yeah, no, I hear that, you. that affirmation. And you know what? Good. You know what? I kind of like Age of Ultron too, especially well, given current events. Dude, um, I, no, I, I, I watched it recently, uh, and I was like, this isn't a bad movie. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not a bad movie. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's all good. But uh, back to this, you know, the Star Trek. I guess to to wrap up here, um, you know, I think one of the best and things that that is mentioned here at the end is when he's in the the ambulance, and mm-hmm. you know, and the, you know, the preacher's dad is just like he's like, "You are the dreamer and the dream." Mm-hmm. Right. And so Benny, you know, again, Benny Russell is dreaming of a future where like, you know, he does not have to, you know, deal with what he's currently dealing with. Yes. And the dream realized is Ben Cisco. Yes. You know, and that's just like, oh, I love it. And then it reminds me of the, you know, the Arthur O'Shaughnessy poem that, you know, that is a song that was made into a song that is in my my fraternity's, you know, songbook, you know, in it, you know, that poem we are the music it's called ode and it's like it goes we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams wandering by lone sea breakers and sitting by desolate streams world losers and world forsakers on whom the pale moon gleams yet we are the movers and shakers of the world forever it seems mm. hearing good stuff he, man yeah hearing his dad say that at the end uh reminded me um uh, i was fortunate enough to uh to get to know my great grandmother she passed a few years ago uh she almost made 100 she was almost there and if she was alive she would have if she was able to say it she would have said crap at the end cuz she didn't make it to 100 she was very excited about making it to 100 <laughs> but um but my family uh i i i i was born and raised here in Nashville my family is from a plantation in Mississippi uh, it's mm-hmm. a little town it's, it was a plantation that's become a town now called Hollandale Okay. And my great grandmother uh, would share stories about her grandmother, who was a slave. Mm. And she told me something that I'm sure is not original. I'm sure you can find it. I don't know where it came from, but she told me something. Um, and I share it with my kids all the time when I'm when 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 we're getting ready to go present ourselves in the world and represent the Chillis family, because mm-hmm. one Chillis can ruin it for all Chillises. If you don't think you can ruin a name, Hitler ruined every Hitler. <laughs> Manson yeah. has ruined every Manson. So, yeah. you know, you can ruin a tarnish a family's name or all the good work people put into you you being there. But mm-hmm. the point I'm trying to make is, is that she would tell my my grandmother, who's told my mom, who's told me, who I tell my kids, we are our ancestors' wildest dreams. Yes. They could not fathom what we have now. 
mm-hmm. my great 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 grandmother would not have would have laughed if you would have said one day your great 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 grandson is going to own a house and yeah. not be not be enslaved and he's going to have yeah. a bunch of beautiful kids and he's going to have a good job like those things would have been her wildest dreams so yeah. with that notion likewise yeah. yeah likewise for my family like you know yeah. me playing you know it playing trombone in a professional orchestra and doing like, it well too i've seen the videos <laughs> I've seen the videos. I've seen the videos. My little seventh grade trumpet guy yields to your music, okay? <laughs> but you know, but yeah, so it's you know, it's 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 I love that universalness of that experience. You know, this was made in 1998. Yeah. But here we are in 2021 saying similar things, feeling similar ways that we've been told, you know, you are the dreamer's dream, you are your ancestors' wildest dreams, you're old. It's just like that's pretty special. Yeah. Almost, dare I say, mystical, you know? Yeah. And uh it's from it's of the prophets, man. It's of the prophets. And 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 that is why I don't think I can ever watch another episode of Star Trek, because I won't like it as much as this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? You know, the, uh, I, I I do I do want to watch Star Trek. I, I do want to watch Deep Space Nine and I want to watch I guess TNG is the one with Picard, correct? Correct. Okay, yeah, I do want to watch that because I mean John Luke Picard. I've seen enough memes of him. I really want to. I want to see what his show is like. <laughs> he's he's fantastic. Good in that show. Like, Good. like rewatching it, like as an adult, like you really get to see and appreciate like how great he is and how great Stewart is in the role. He's he's fantastic. I can't wait. So yeah, uh, you guys got me hooked. Um, I'm glad. And uh, and and give me some more suggestions of things to watch. I mean, apparently Star Trek is pretty. You know, it's, it's a pretty big franchise. You know, I I, I hear they got a couple shows. It's up there. a pretty big deal. You know. It's a pretty big it's deal, pretty big you know. Deal. So it's part of the big lexicon. I, you know, I I grew up thinking like I had to like Star Wars and like I couldn't like the other guys, you know. Oh, but you can uh, like both. I know. It is I know it's crazy. I know, right? It's crazy. Man, I love being an adult. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess like you know, one final word of business here. Uh we, we're giving this a bullseye. Yes. Yeah, this is absolutely a bullseye. Um, because it made me laugh, it made me think, and it made me cry. And if I can get that in forty minutes, that's a good time. Absolutely. You know, so <laughs> for sure. Cool, man. So, you know, once again, you know, thank you to to Bill and Dan for allowing us to to talk a little Star Trek with you. You know, this is a, a nice yeah. little reprieve from our our normal dealings when we're dealing with the Arrowverse. Uh, but, yeah. you know, if you want to hear more of us <laughs> talking about all the things that make Arrow Arrow, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Do Not Fail Our Pod, and we are part of the United yeah. Federation of Podcasts. Uh, you can follow, find us at UFP Earth on Twitter, and you can find me personally at Sir Lance Laster on all my social medias. Kev, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter um, at Chill Us. It's how you pronounce my last name. It's C H I L L underscore U S on Twitter, and uh, you'll see me there talking about Arrow, um, K-pop, and the Tennessee Titans. Because that's pretty much my life. <laughs> <laughs> All good. All good. We enjoyed it, y'all. So, uh, so yeah. So hopefully, we'll see you guys out there on the internet. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for giving us the opportunity to talk about something a little different and stretch our wings in a, in a, in a different way. I really enjoyed it. So, buddy, first off, wow! A grateful, grateful thanks to Lance mm-hmm. and Kev for for their episode on Far Beyond the Stars today. 
you know, this is an episode I, I just watched the other day on BBC America because it was on. And it's completely gutting and gut-wrenching and emotional. And this today's episode gives me completely different perspective on it that I just couldn't have appreciated before. Oh, absolutely. And that's one of the things that I think has been so important about what we've done here this month with Black History Month and 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 getting these discussions from these podcasters. And it really does make you open your eyes. I'll tell you, this is one of the perfect examples. We saw I would let this be your last battlefield back in the 60s. But the way that um, Avery was able to direct this episode and really make this message come through in star trek makes it one of the best episodes ever in this universe and the fact that he didn't even see this this was the first episode of star trek to ever be watched what better idea could you start with than far beyond the stars yeah a hundred percent i mean this episode is star trek yeah and it is presented so uniquely in comparison to the rest of star trek um that it just it is it it's sad to say that it's timeless mm-hmm. um, because we should be well past these oh, things by now. True. And it is just, it is so perfect. And to watch our, our regular cast members step outside of their characters and be these other, you know, uh, mm-hmm. persons inside of this Deep Space Nine episode. I, I was watching Renee and it's hard not to get choked up because Renee is just so, so good in this episode. I love his character. And even though... Uh, it, it total total sideline of the conversation about the true meaning of this episode, but with Renee, he's trying to pass the buck off to the boss, but he's kind of such a slime ball the way he yeah. does it. Yeah. And, but it's so great the way he does it. And it, one of the things that I love most about this episode is the people that we see covered in latex all the time, not covered in latex and being amazing characters. Renee, uh, Aaron, uh, everybody, uh, uh, JG, they're all of them. Um, Jeffrey and, and Mark and Dorn, they're all just great out of their normal makeup element. Not to say that any of the ones that don't wear makeup were awesome because they're all awesome. There's nothing to dislike about the ep- episode except what you said. The fact that we haven't grown beyond this kind of crap and and people still have to deal with it but it, it's done in a way that is just absolutely perfect the scene where benny is getting beat up by the cops mm-hmm. i just i sat there sad and depressed because it looked like something from this past summer exactly i was gonna say it's, it's george floyd and, yeah. and it's and this is why it's 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 so great that we've been able to have people like Lance and, and Kev on to talk about this and get that perspective that quite frankly, like you said, you and I don't really understand. We'll never um, have. We and will ne- never have this perspective. Exactly. And um and I can't thank them enough for 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 doing it and, and sharing and and hopefully everybody can listen to this and and get that understanding and help to make this go away forever because it's it's got to go away our sincere thanks to them and we really want you to check out their podcast always hold on to arrow over on united federation of podcasts because they are two fantastic podcasters that you should be listening to um and uh we hope to uh, maybe we'll get to do a crossover with them someday that'd be awesome that would be awesome because we talk about arrow or star trek one of the two or both. Oh, oh, oh that's true yeah how about an arrow star trek comic book crossover series i'll start working on that yeah, okay. Right. And of course, Dan, we have to thank our friends, the band Five Year Mission, without whom this podcast would have no music. And that would just be sad. I would cry. I would cry. 
I, I would just, I would be inconsolable. So we want everyone to head out to fiveyearmission.net, get all their albums, put those CDs in your cart, get them shipped to you, have that physical media in your hands because, I mean, that's the best way to show support to the band. Streaming is nice, but come on, bands don't make anything off of that. Instead, get that media, show the band you love them. You're going to become a huge fan of Five Year Mission. We guarantee it. Fiveyearmission.net, go get all those discs. It's all worth it. It's so worth it. You can spin it on your finger. You won't be able to hear anything, but it'll look really cool. What's um, wrong with you? <laughs> so, and it, you know what? You know what, though, Bill? You know what's wrong with me? The uh, fact yeah. that we- <laughs> Wait, I, that's a completely separate podcast. I don't think we have time for that. Wow. Anyway, rake on my face. Okay. Um, we have not talked about the TV or the the the, the spectacular CBS All Access program, <laughs> Picard. <laughs> He's I'm sorry, I'm dying over here. He is dying, he literally is. But we've never talked about Picard in this segment of the show. And that's disappointing. Until is now. Is it? <laughs> because I got to say, man, this was great. You know, the La Serena crew headed off to Free Cloud as they continued their search for the galaxy's most beloved drummer. Things got a little dicey and, and they got a little weird too because we saw Rios doing his best impersonation of Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch. That was pretty cool. Um, Picard looked like he took a page from Miles O'Brien's holodeck character Falcon from Our Mer- Man Bashir. You may remember that. Um, they did find the man that they were looking for, uh, but he seemed to have gotten himself into a little trouble with the local mafia queen, Bajazel. Um, Everything was going to plan. Until Seven of Nine decided to reveal her true intentions. Check it out, buddy. It's Fark Dusk City Rag, and it's right there for you to watch. Is Fark Dusk anything like Fark Dust? Did I say Dusk? Yeah, it sounds like that. I, well, I think I said, I th- I, it might have just been the clicking, because I think I said it right. Okay. Fark Dusk, Fark Dusk City Rag. That doesn't yeah, make it's it any better. Way, it's just the way that it's, it comes out of my yammering hole. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag yammering hole. <laughs> so anyway, Mark Dust City Rag. Um, yeah, I I think in the the pantheon of Farkisms, um, this one is the two hundred and fifty first. Oh, that bad? Yeah, not as bad. That no, last week's was bad. Last week's was bad. That <laughs> that apparently was you apparently wanted to go even lower. <laughs> Wow. Um, and put in as little effort as possible because that's how we get Fark Dust City Rag. Well, okay then. I will work harder next week. <laughs> I find that difficult to believe. Don't forget that you too can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to us on Patreon where you can get all kinds of special and exclusive perks, Daniel. Shirts. Pins. Maybe a guest spot here uh, as a co Spont, uh, not a co-sponsor, but a co-host along with us two malcontents. I don't know. You just got a whole bunch of different things that you can do. <laughs> We're going to have new things coming out this year, I think, maybe. maybe Malcontents? Uh, malcontents. I said it. Anyway, uh, but we, we can't talk about that right now, Bill, because I'm very busy. I have to thank our associate producers for Get Trek Meets. Uh, we are so grateful for their support. And they are Vikram Bhatt, Luke Burnham, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Brian Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Aaron Mollenkoff, Casey Pettit, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, Lisa Tomlinson, <laughs> damn you, Bill, Jessica Dax Vincent, Ron Robel, 
and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. The best part that people can't see is we try to get each other to crack up while we read the names. <laughs> um, and, and that's just, I was just horrible this week. We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. The senior producer of the Trek Geeks podcast is the always amazing Jude Tatman. You too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks podcast network, and it is so easy to do. All you need to do is head over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Next week, Dan, we'll have the fourth and final guest podcasters for the month of February as we wrap up Black History Month. And this one's going to be awesome, just like all of the other ones. Yeah, of that I have no doubt, Bill. Uh, We've been so honored and blessed to have all of these guest podcasters on the show all month long. We started with the Hura. And it seems only fitting to end with a discussion about the first African-American female captain represented in Star Trek. It's a discussion of Michael Burnham with the Black Alert podcast. And it's all right here next week on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks podcast network. Now, before you get emails, you mean the first series regular African-American I was trying to captain. figure out a way to say that Email. and I really couldn't come up with it. So you did for me. <laughs> I just but want yes, to make that clear. Absolutely. Yeah. There's been plenty, but this is the first time it's been a like the focus. first time we've had a series lead spotlight. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I was trying to figure out how to word it in. Cause she was originally not captain, but then she was. So whatever. Oh, by the way, spoilers on that whole captain thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoilers after the fact. Great job, buddy. <laughs> For even more great Star Trek discussion, please check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. In addition to Rewind and Politrex, five-year mission, you can also hear the brand new Deep Space Pride with Mike Thurlow and Johnson Lee, as well as Infinite Trek with Aaron Harvey and Brandy Jackala, The Divine Treasury with Mike Bovia and Jamie Rogers, and of course, Sci-Fi Sisters with that amazing collection of of women that have come to our network and we're so happy to have them. You can find all our podcasts, including where to listen by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 251 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. It is coconut. It's coconut. <laughs> is it real though? Oh, nicely done. Because coconut shouldn't be real. Coconut's horrible. Oh, yes. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.